This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash Vardy. And now let's get on with the show. Hey, it's me, Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I want to share this episode with you in a big way because Chris Ducker is my guest. And Chris Ducker is a good friend of mine. And I just am so pleased that he's got this new book out called Rise of the Upreneur. And I highly encourage you to check it out after you check out this interview uh, because Chris has a lot of great stuff in there. I believe this is his seminal work. He is a serial entrepreneur, Chris Ducker is. He's also the author of another bestseller, Virtual Freedom. Now, why do I say another bestseller? Because I believe Rise of the Youpreneur is going to be a bestseller as well. He's originally from the UK, and he's lived in the Philippines for 17 years, where he has founded multiple businesses, and those businesses combined have housed over 450 full-time employees. He's a trusted international business mentor. I would uh, like to say that he is definitely a mentor of mine. He's a keynote speaker, podcaster, blogger, and the founder of Upreneur.com. He also hosts the annual Upreneur Summit, which is held in London, England, each November, and he is the self-proclaimed proudest Brit doing business online. We talk about a lot of things during this episode, and uh, we focus primarily on the rise of the Upreneur. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Chris Ducker here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome my friend Chris Ducker to the Productivityist Podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me. So your new book, Rise of the Upreneur, is now out and available, and uh, yes. I couldn't be happier. I mean, this is, um, I got this, and I'm going to share a link in the show notes about the the fact that you shared this with everybody that went to the Upreneur Summit this past, this you know, in 2017. You know, I mean, it was, and it was quite the event. Why? We've seen this happen before with books, where it's like we, you want to get some kind of preview. This this was done differently, and I think from what we've discussed, like everything about this book, you've done differently. <laughs> it's it's been it's been quite an interesting journey. I mean, obviously, with so with my first book, uh, Virtual Freedom, that was traditionally published four years ago, um, literally till a month almost, and. I wasn't happy from an author perspective, from a production perspective, from a productivity perspective, quite frankly, as well. I wasn't happy with the outcome of virtual freedom. Um, one thing specifically, well, there was two things spe- specifically that really upset me with the way it was handled from a publisher's side was number one, they really pushed me into a corner in regards to getting the audio book out quickly. Um, and I was already in the United States promoting the book in paperback and Kindle, you know, or ebook format, uh, speaking. I was on a speaking tour of the United States and they're, you know, this is like, you know, six weeks post launch and they're emailing me and calling me. We have to get the audio book done. People are asking, you know, distributors are asking for the audio book. And I'm like, I told you I'll record it. Once I, once I'm done with this, you know, once I'm done with this tour and they turn around and said, no, we need to get it done now. We, you know, we're going to go ahead and, and get someone to read it for you. I had no, like zero say 
in the mm. matter, really, um, because they didn't want to wait. They would prefer to me to read it, but they um, they didn't want to wait to get it done. And so they got some other English guy uh, to to read the book, and it was horrific. I mean, it's it's still a decent, you know, quality audible download. Don't get me wrong. I think it's been downloaded on audible well over ten thousand times now, but it it just wasn't the way I would have done it. And so that was the first thing. The second thing was the way that they handled, or in this case, probably didn't handle the international rights. Virtual Freedom is a book that should be in at least ten languages by now, if you ask me, mm-hmm. and it's in two. It's it well three. English, Chinese, and Japanese. That's it. Um, and I've, you know, now now it's to the point now where the, the book is just too old. It's a title that's too old, regardless of the success that it's had. It's too old for for people really to sort of, you know, take it seriously and get it out there. I'm still working on it, quite frankly, because I got those rights back from the publisher. So yeah, I wasn't overly happy with that kind of traditional publisher model. So I always said if I was going to go down the road of writing another book, I would definitely self or independently publish um, the next book. We did it with Rise of the Youpreneur. Like you mentioned, we gave it out to everybody in attendance at the Youpreneur Summit in November. We really worked hard. I mean, like when I say we, me and my team worked so hard to get that book ready for the summit. And it went right down to the wire. So to give you an idea, timeline-wise, I got in to lunch. So the event was the 11th and 12th uh, in 2017. In 2018, it's the 3rd and the 4th of November. But 11th and 12th, I got in on the 8th. I expected to see the book there and right there and then when I arrived, and it wasn't there. So I immediately called up the printer and I said, "Oi, what's happening?" Um, and it, it literally arrived the afternoon of the 10th. So. <laughs> We're talking. We're talking about fourteen or fifteen hours before the start of the event. It arrived, and uh, obviously we breathed a, a huge sigh of relief. And then we ended up, like you said, giving them out to to everybody in attendance for free. Um, and, and I think that is part. You know, that's part of the overall Youpreneur message: is to do things differently. It's to be unique. It's to throw lots of you into the mix because if you do it in the right way, you'll become somebody's favorite. And people will love you for who you are and what you stand for. And they want to do business with you. And so as a, you know, as the youpreneur in my mind, um, I've got to lead by example, haven't I? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's, let's dive into this, this idea of, of the, the rise of the youpreneur, because I mean, I've been, I, you know, we've, we've known each other for a number of years now. And I mean, I was at the youpreneur summit and there's, there was an energy and a vibe there that you, you, uh, that, that you've got this, this, uh, this term, you know, this, this, this movement. Uh, and for those that aren't familiar with it, what, what is a youpreneur and why, why is the youpreneur on the rise? Well, a youpreneur is somebody who builds a business based around them, their expertise, their personality, what makes them unique, uh, and the people that they ultimately want to serve and sell to. And, um, you know, it's perfect for people like freelancers and coaches, consultants, authors, speakers, content creators, anybody, like I said, really building a business based around them and what they stand for. And the reason why they're rising up is because, you know, they're, they're sick and tired. We are sick and tired of situations controlling the future of our business. And that's why I call it, you know, the definitive guide to become the go-to leader in the industry and building a future-proof business. Now, 
here's a little statistic. And I just literally heard this statistic earlier on today, and it blew me away. Um, by the year 2030, so it's not too far away. It's only 13. Oh, what would we not? That 12 years away now, right? Mm-hmm. By the year 2030, 60% of the economy in the United States, and I'm pretty sure that this will drip over to obviously Europe and Canada and the other places out there as well, but 60% of the economy will be controlled by freelancers. That's huge. That's, that's yeah, that's that's absolutely, massive. Absolutely. That's huge, right? So if you take that into consideration and and you kind of identify uh, yourself with that term freelancer or whatever the case may be, you know, this really at the end of the day, the world r- really is your oyster. And so what I liked, I mean, you know, obviously as a Brit, you know, we look at say Brexit, right? Uh, the whole kind of referendum of leaving the you know European community in the United States, you've got you know obviously the presidential situation where there's the country is very much divided at the moment, and all these sort of circumstances that that do to a certain degree concern a lot of business owners. But when you build the business of you, as I call it, it shouldn't. These things shouldn't get in the way because you're ultimately future-proof in your business based around you and your personality and the people that you want to serve, and people know that. They get that. And that's where I think the the overall kind of um, excitement of this whole movement is coming from. And that's why we call it Rise of the Youpreneur, because we're only at the beginning of it. This is a, a long form journey here. You know what I mean? It's not a it's not a two minute infomercial spot. It's your full twenty eight thirty on QVC. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I want to dive in a little bit into, you know, what it takes to be a youpreneur. And one of the things that I, you know, I mean, I've talked about, and I know you have too, is, is, you know, we both know Gary Vaynerchuk. A lot of people know, you know, the idea of hustle and going fast and just, you know, some people, when they hear the term, you know, that they're, they're, they are the business that they feel that there might be a lack of harmony or balance, that they're just on all the time. And I know in the book you address elements of this, but just for those who are getting into this now and saying, you know, it sounds appealing, but, does this mean like I'm always on or, or that I always have to be, you know, that there's, there's this hustle engagement. Can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I know you definitely, you're a hard worker and you, you definitely, um, you, you, you achieve a lot, but you don't see, it's not like I'm seeing you, um, you know, overly, uh, presenting yourself like, okay, go, go, go fast, fast, fast now, 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 which seems to be what's out there. Right. Well, it is. And I don't agree with it at all. Mm -hmm. And I love Gary. Um, We're not best friends or anything, but we've got to know each other pretty well over the years. And I'll be the first to admit, you know, his whole hustle and grind mentality is I don't agree with that at all. Um, And by the way, why are we using the word hustle? It's just called hard work. Mm hmm. Right. Like this is yeah. nothing new. Why we needed to create this term. And I don't know whether it came from Gary or someone else, but why we needed to create this term of hustle. I don't know. You just work your ass off. If you want to do well <laughs> in life as a business owner, you've got to work hard. Now, I do work hard, but I have my priorities very clearly stamped out. So I work four days a week, Monday to Thursday, from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Those are my work hours. At all other times, I'm not on at all. It might seem like it from time to time from social media's perspective, but that's my team doing what they're being paid to do, right? So Mm -hmm. I, I think ultimately, it's about building a business based on you, but not reliant 
on you. Right. And that's the big takeaway there is that, you know, you can build a very successful business based around you and your brand and your expertise, but it doesn't mean that you've got to work 16 hour days. You've just got to be smart with the way that you do it. So whether you're creating online courses and selling them via an email order responder, or whether you're speaking for a, a living, or whether you are you know, creating content to funnel people into live events that you're holding, whatever the case may be, do it smart, and you won't have to work 16 hours a day, you know? Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. Okay, it's time to take a break from the proceedings to mention our sponsor, the sponsor of this week's episode, Health IQ. Now, we just finished talking about hustle and the dangers of working with hustle in mind and burnout and all of those things that can play a role in, in your productivity and in your life, really. And, you know, one of the things that I stress, and uh, you're going to hear this more in an upcoming episode with Jeff Sanders about the idea of health conscious productivity is that you need to be more health conscious. You need to take care of yourself in order to be more productive. Chris clearly does that. I work on that regularly. As uh, many of you who've listened to the show for a while know that September was my month where I focused on running and I ran a 10K and I've run uh, several other races since then, and, and I've been maintaining that. But not only that, I've been doing more meditation, and I have been you know, doing uh, more high-intensity training. And Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for people who are health conscious, so runners, trainers, vegans, and more. And they have this really unique model where kind of like how good drivers are rewarded on their car insurance, you can save money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. But the advantages of going with Health IQ don't stop there. 70% of their exclusive rate clients get approved at the top rate class. And they are the fastest-growing life insurance company with over $5 billion, $5 billion in coverage. Now, one of the things that always comes up when you're looking at life insurance is the question, well, what if I have a pre-existing condition? Can, can I still get special rates? And can you get special rates with Health IQ? And yes, you sure can. A previous illness like sleep apnea, heart disease, or diabetes doesn't define you. Managing and overcoming chronic disease or illness is really hard work. It's something that they celebrate. And absolutely, they can still get you your special rate. They, they just think that's fair. And I, and I love the fact that they take this approach. I love the fact that they they look at family history and and they reduce 
your chance of being penalized for adverse family health history if you are otherwise healthy. You know, the, the low resting heart rate for endurance athletes. Most carriers will penalize people if their heart rate is too low. Health IQ helps them recognize that this is a sign of excellent health and fitness. BMI, you know, BMI can't tell the difference between muscle and fat, but Health IQ works with carriers to ensure strength trainers have a BMI buffer to account for their muscles. And there's so many other advantages to Health IQ. But one of the biggest advantages that you can take advantage of right now is you can see if you qualify. You can get your free quote today by going to healthiq.com slash Vardy. Now, life insurance companies calculate your policy rates based on your nearest age, not your actual age, and rates increase as you get older. So you want to lock in the best rate possible by getting that free quote today. So to see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash Vardy or mention the promo code Vardy when you talk to a Health IQ agent. I'd like to thank Health IQ for sponsoring this episode of the Productivities Podcast. And now let's get back to the show. I want to talk about course correcting because one of the things that I've noticed for myself personally is as I've built this business, which we've talked about, like productivity, I am the productivityist, despite the fact that I tried to not make it being me the productivityist. It's just what right. happened. It's you you don't necessarily get to decide that, right? Your audience and your your people Absolutely. get to decide that, right? Yeah. Um yeah. so when you start to go down this path and you feel like, oh, I'm not quite, I'm not quite living up to what I'm not emulating who I really am. Like, cause this can happen too, right? You get caught up. How do you, how do you course correct And without giving too much away? Cause I know you discussed this a bit in the book, but how do you, how do you kind of, you know, set yourself straight or align yourself again when you kind of feel yourself veering off course and maybe become becoming that thing that you definitely don't want to become and representing something that you definitely don't want to represent in business? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, under, and you, you pointed it out perfectly there, Mike, where you say, you know, your audience will ultimately decide what kind of business you build. And I talk about that actually in the book. Um, and, and if you're wise, you will pay attention to your audience when they tell you what things they need help with, what, you know, when they kind of divulge to you what they're struggling with. And it's up to you then to go away and build, you know, the solutions to those problems that they're experiencing and ultimately put a price tag on them, right? But mm-hmm. if you find yourself slipping into, uh, you know, the realm of something you're not comfortable talking about or doing, it's up to you to check yourself right there. You can't, uh, you know, you can't expect your audience to hit the pause button for you. It's up to you to go ahead and do that. And I had that exact same issue myself in the middle of 2012. I'd been blogging and podcasting for a few years. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I kind of, I got into this whole kind of like work-life balance, four-hour workweek lifestyle kind of rhetoric. Um, and it was great and everything. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, I, I, I built a good email list, a good following, good listenership and all the rest of it. But I felt myself kind of just talking about stuff because I thought people wanted to hear about it from me, not because I was genuinely excited or enthusiastic about it. And so I, I hit the pause button. I didn't write or, or, or blog or go on social or record anything for about six weeks or so. And I did some genuine soul searching in terms of what do I want to be known for? Who do you know? What genuinely? Who do I want to help? What do I want my rhetoric to be going forward? And that's when we made the switch into chrisducker.com and the personal brand element of my business. And obviously, since doing that, 
everything has worked out very, very well. I mean, you know, there's definitely been a few failures along the way. And, you know, that's part of, uh, you know, the learning journey that is entrepreneurship. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's all come down ultimately to me figuring out who I am deep down, defining who I am, figuring out who I want to work with, how I'm going to help them and what that's going to look like long term as well as short term. So it's interesting. You mentioned you slowed down, you paused. People don't think about that mm. when they think about progress. They think about just always moving forward, or at least they don't think about it at first blush because we live in a culture of move, go, speed, like we talked about earlier. What were some yep. of the things that you did during that soul searching process that kind of led you to where you got to now? Because I know a lot of my audience would like to, would, they, they see you, they know you're successful. And they, maybe some of them are kind of meandering a bit. Maybe some of them are in, in a job that they don't like and they're ready to build something. They're ready to build that that brand of, uh, that, that business of themselves, but they're they're kind of in that pause moment. What were the, some of the things that you did to kind of put yourself uh, and push yourself into into where you where you were, where you started to go down? Well, I mean, really, it, it came down to defining who I was. And, uh, and, th- and this was, you know, one of the reasons why what I call the self-awareness test mm-hmm. is right at, the be- right at the beginning of this book, because I did it for myself. Um, just like when I wrote Virtual Freedom, I talked about the three lists to freedom right at the beginning of the book, because that was an exercise I put through for my, uh, my, I put myself through it rather mm-hmm. to, to be able to figure out what I didn't want to work on or what I struggled with and what I could delegate. So with, with Rise of Upina, same deal, man, same deal. It's, it's a, a personal, uh, testimonial of sorts to a certain degree in terms of what's worked and what's not while building my own personal brand. And what I did is I, I sat down and I figured out exactly what I was good at and what I should be doing more of. And then on the other side of that coin was all the stuff that I kind of sucked at, quite frankly, the stuff that, you know, because of the type A, you know, entrepreneur that I am, I will continue doing even if I'm not very good at them, even if I think that, uh, you know, uh, I can save a little bit of money or whatever the case may be. And becoming super self-aware like that genuinely actually helped me figure out how I was going to build this model, how I was going to build the business. Because I, I focus nowadays sincerely on the things that I know that I can show up at over and over and over again. And I, and I think that's incredibly important because if you're going to provide value to anybody, particularly on an ongoing basis, if you're going to do that, that's exactly what you're doing. You've got to show up every single day, regardless of what you're doing for them. But then equally, the stuff that you're not so great at, you've got to ditch it. You've got to get away from it. That self-awareness is key. So, you know, I talk about in the book, I talk about how I am a strong leader and how I'm a high achiever and how I've got, you know, a super competitive drive about me as an entrepreneur. That's the stuff that I focus on now. Whereas, you know, on the other side of, of, of the of the test kind of uh, little segment in the book there, I talk about how I'm impatient and how I'm completely incompetent when it comes to technology. And I think that self-awareness, I mean, I can barely use Skype still, you know? <laughs> well, they keep, I, I mean, to be fair, they keep changing the interface, so you're not do. alone. In that. <laughs> but it doesn't, help, it doesn't help me at all that I get these regular nosebleeds every time they roll out an update. And, you know, I, I, I call Twitter the Twitter for the first six months after I was using it. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> so I think the self-awareness is key to figuring out what you're going to be doing long-term as a youpreneur. That's where it all begins. So 
I want to get a bit more vulnerable here for people who are listening, because when you hear one of the things I've struggled with, and and I know that I'm not alone in this. And I mean, Chris, you can speak to whether I'm sure you are, you you've, you've had this as well, but when you put yourself out there, when you are the, when you are the, the business, the business of you, you run the risk and it can be the term dangerous is probably not the right term, but I'm going to use it anyways. Like it can be dangerous in some respects because you're like, okay, there's some emotion. There's you're so close to it. How do you maybe protect may not be the right term, but I'm going to use it anyway. Like, how do you protect yourself or how do you keep yourself kind of uh, either shielded or do you when you are delivering yourself and, and delivering your business in this manner? Because I think for some people that that can be a very scary proposition. It can be. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I think to be an effective youpreneur, you've got to wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit mm-hmm. um, because it's about P to P, as I talk about it. It's about people to people. And so um, I think the very concept of P to P is to be a little vulnerable, to be acutely authentic in, in regards to what you do and how you do it, and more importantly, who you're doing it for and with. Um, and I think also being, you see, being vulnerable is not a bad thing. I think people think mm-hmm. of it as a negative thing. It's not a bad thing, particularly in this day and age where I think people do hide behind smoke and mirror acts quite regularly, particularly online. And it's a hit and a half for your success, if you ask me, because I think in order to really become somebody's favorite, and that is our key, here, you, it's you, printer. You must become somebody's favorite in your industry, in your niche, in regardless of what you're doing or who you're selling to. Uh, if if that is to take place, if that is to happen, then vulnerability is has got to be there at the very center of what you do. Case in point is myself. You know what? I've uh, I've never choked up on the stage before as a speaker. Yet in London, as I was closing the Upreneur Summit, I did. Um, and, uh, it was, um, it was, it was pretty gratifying actually f- to hear from everybody, after, you know, straight after the event at the closing reception. And then, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks later, how people saw that as being genuine and as, as, you know, leading them to believe that I gave a damn, quite frankly, about what I was doing and they could get that and they appreciated that. That vulnerability, you know, it, it wasn't put on. It was genuine and people can see it. So I think being vulnerable is a good thing. I think if you're scared of being vulnerable, then that's also a good thing. Uh, but obviously keep it in check. You don't want to get to the point where you're so scared that you never take any action. Well, and I think that's where you do what we talked about earlier, where you start soul searching, right? You like what? Well, like you know, dig, you just start to dig a bit deeper and say, okay, well, what's what? Why is it because maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm not into what I'm doing. Maybe I feel overwhelmed. Like, I mean, one of the things you talk about in the book is, uh, and we hear almost the antithesis to a lot of times is like be on social and do as much as you can, be everywhere. And you're like, no, pick, pick. Pick a couple, pick two, pick three, you know, and, and get good at them. Be, be, be you behind them. Because if you try to do too much, I don't think, I think that's when the struggles really occur. If you try to spread yourself out too thin, it, it can really have a massive impact on you. It can, and a very negative one as well. I mean, I've been through burnout. I don't know if you have or not, mm-hmm. but I have. It was brutal. I never want to go there again. I have been there almost for a second time a few years back, but I, I avoided it because this time around I saw the signs coming, right? But I've been through burnout 
and I know what it's like, and I never, ever, ever want to go through it again. And I know hundreds, if not thousands of people that have reached out to me in some way, shape, or form through the years, particularly after um, Virtual Freedom came out, my first book. Um, I had a, a, a plethora of people from industries and countries around the world telling me that they had burnt out and they read the book and it saved their lives. I mean, you know, when you, when you create a piece of work like a book, you want it to be read Yes, but if people genuinely take action based off of what they read and it brings a genuine positive change into their lives, then it makes all the hard work that you go through to get it out into the world worthwhile. So I, I think that um, you know the idea of being everywhere is, is great in theory, but in practice, uh, it's just not possible. <laughs> it's, just, it's really genuinely not possible. I mean, and, and here's the thing, it will shift right? Mm -hmm. It'll change from time to time. One year you might be focused, let's talk social media because it's, it's a big part of everybody's business nowadays. One year you might be focused in on Facebook and Instagram. The next, it might be Twitter and Instagram. The next after that, it could be Facebook and, in, and LinkedIn, right? So yeah. you just don't know. But what I am saying is that you can't be all the places all the time, pleasing all the people all the time. It's just not possible. Um, and, you know, we, you and I have had lots of private conversations in regards to how we batch and you have your theme days and I batch like crazy and all that stuff. Be wise with what you're doing and everything will become so much easier. But certainly don't try and be everywhere because you're just going to fall flat everywhere that's that's what's going to happen well chris you, we talked about theme days for a second i normally don't do interviews on mondays monday's my optimization day wednesday's my audio day but it's monday here i know it's tuesday where you are right right now isn't it yes isn't it tuesday yeah so yeah. but um i really wanted to have this conversation you i consider you know i i tore through this book when i got it uh, it's dog-eared like crazy, and I'm actually, as I'm going through the rebrand of Time Crafting, which I talked about uh, on your podcast, which you I'll did, link to yeah. in the show notes, um, I'm, there's a lot in here. Oh, I'm modeling, and and uh, when I took that picture, you asked people to take pictures of you with the book, with with the book, and I had the yeah. little Green Lantern yeah, post it. Yeah, 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 and I had the green like this is one of the best business books I've read, and and um, because it, it that the idea of being a youpreneur. Um, you know, embracing that has had such an amazing impact. And again, getting to having spending time and getting to hang out with you and, and learning from you has been has been just an absolute joy. So I want to thank you for for spending time with me today and my audience. And thank you for just uh, for putting this out into the world. And thanks for just, you know, being there. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, brother. I very much appreciate that. I know you're a big reader. So to say uh, that it's one of the best books you've read, it means a lot to me. Uh, it really, truly does. Now, where can people pick up the book and find out, you know, more about you and, and Youpreneur? Because you've got a lot going on with Youpreneur as well. Yeah, I think we, we certainly do. So, I mean, you, you can grab the book at Amazon. Just go search for Youpreneur, Y-O-U-Preneur on Amazon. But if you go to Rise of the Youpreneur, Dot com, which is the full title of the book, uh, up through to March 6th, there's going to be lots of bonuses that were thrown into anybody that buys the book and sends us the receipt. So that's riseoftheupreneur.com. After that, there'll still be a few little bonuses, but nothing like what we're offering for that first couple of weeks of the book's life. <laughs> Chris, thanks again for joining today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, man. Big thanks to Chris Docker for joining me on the show today. I had an amazing time chatting with Chris. It was it was 
it's always so good to be able to chat with him because, uh, you know, I love his new book, Rise of the Youpreneur, which you must pick up. I mean, it, uh, there's a picture of me on the internet that says this is one of the best business books I've ever read, if not the best, because it just, it helps me. It, it One of the things that it really has helped me do is because, you know, I mean, when I've been going through the changes that we're going through here at Productivityist to time crafting, which is not much of a secret, like we are shifting gears. Um, the idea that people call me the productivityist and that that's kind of what I've, what I've been known, the audience, like my audience, the, the people who've been following me have kind of, you know, bestowed that upon me. And that's great. And, and by listening to Chris and, and following this, this book is kind of like a, a roadmap. Um, it's been really, really helpful. And I know it'd be helpful for you too. So pick up Chris's book. Of course, all the stuff we talked about are in the show notes. Um, you know, and again, uh, if you get a chance to go to the Upreneur Summit, by the way, do. It's in the UK. It's in, you know, go check that out as well. I mean, Chris is, he's, there's, there's, his voice is in the back of my head in a lot of the decisions I'm making these days, which is a, which is not a bad thing to have happen uh, in, in the least. So uh, thanks to uh, Chris for joining me, of course. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to John Polster for producing it and the rest of my team for helping me out with this episode. And again, big thanks to you for listening this week. I really do appreciate it. And again, please leave a rating and review in iTunes if you can. Um, because, uh, you know, for the show, because what it'll do is help me make the show better. John reads, I read it. We, we want to make the show better, especially as we start to shift into this new area of time crafting and focusing more on, on that kind of stuff. I want to know how to make the show better. Uh, and, and, uh, review, reviews help. Ratings are great, but reviews like saying, Hey, here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. They really help as well. So thanks so much for joining me this week. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast, reminding you to stop guessing. We start going.